Coming up on Podcast 1706, Tesla slashes prices in multiple countries. Are you affected? Stick around and I'll tell you more. Also on the show today, Nissan steps up their EV game in China, but not doing so well in the US. We'll get an update from CES in Vegas, where there's loads of announcements coming out of. And Mercedes roll out their own EV charging network, a la Tesla. Those stories and a lot more coming up on the podcast today. So good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you're listening around the world. Welcome to EV News Daily, your trusted source of EV information for the end of the week, Friday 6th of January. Today, my name is Martin Lee, and I go through every EV story. So you don't have to. We'll start with that headline story of Tesla slashing new car prices in China for the second time in less than three months to boost sales amid slowing demand. Of course, it is the world's largest car market, so not good to be slowing demand there. And I think that's reflected in the pre-market. Not that this is a financial podcast. Had a quick look down about 5% today. So clearly they don't like that news. Tesla cut prices for all of its Chinese-made Model 3 and Model Y. Great for Chinese buyers, of course, and in more countries than just China. I'll get to that in a moment. Starting price of the Model 3, 13.5% off. That's a huge, huge discount. It now costs the equivalent of $33,500, which is a big discount on if you bought a US-made Model 3. I'll get to that in a moment as well. Model Y, slashed by 10%, starts at $38,000 equivalent. Second price cut we've had, of course, in China. The first one was back on October 24th, uh, when they cut the 3 and the Y by about 10% as well. Back in December, Tesla's Shanghai Gigafactory delivered 55,500 vehicles, down 44% from the previous month, according to the China Passenger Car Association yesterday. And Tesla's price cuts come after China ended a 13-year-long subsidy for EVs at the end of last year, according to CNN.com. Link to that story in the show notes. MSN.com points out that the latest cuts, along with the October reductions, uh, means that you can now get an EV from Tesla in China by about 24%. About a quarter of the price has been cut in the last three months. Great, like I say, great for buyers. I think investors and stuff don't like that at all. But hey, I'm not an investor in Tesla. I'm here for you, the EV fan, EV buyer. And if it's happening in China, well, it could happen elsewhere as well. And that's good news for the likes of, of you and I. More competition for its competitors as well could well mean cheaper EVs for all of us all around. BYD, for instance, the biggest competitor to Tesla in China, offering pure electric vehicles. Uh, they had an amazing December. So while Tesla was down, BYD had a, a huge record month once again. And the China prices of the Model 3 and the Model Y are so much cheaper than what you can get elsewhere. 32% lower. 32% lower than if you bought a United States-made Model 3 or a Model Y, according to a Reuters calculation. Again, that's just down to local sourcing, local Chinese materials, and of course, the biggie, Chinese labor costs. Tesla also cut prices of the 3 and the Y in Japan, South Korea, Australia as well. Great news down under, according to Nikkei Asia. The price cuts part of the effort to stoke demand for Tesla's output at their Shanghai Gigafactory. So anywhere that takes deliveries from Shanghai, they just want people to buy those vehicles because they've got more production than they have demand. The opposite problem that Tesla's had for the last 10 years. The first big move since Tesla appointed its big executive for China and Asia, Tom Zhu, 
who has been based in Shanghai until now, now overseeing global output. So first big move for him is to say, hey, big price cuts to try and ensure that they're not winding down Giga Shanghai. And of course, makes you wonder, did they even need Giga Berlin? Because we get our cars from, until now, China, but increasingly from Germany. Tesla cut the prices in Japan by 10%. The first time it's done that in two years. It's now about 40,000 US dollars equivalent to get into a Model 3. Okay, let's move on. And here's a story that I didn't touch earlier in the week. A lot of the big EV blogs, the EV websites ran with this new story. A lot of the Tesla podcasts ran with this story. It was a story about Tesla submitting a trademark for jet and boat propulsion. Now, I didn't. And and there's I just felt wrong. I'm not an investigative journalist. I'm not even a qualified journalist. I spent 25 years in the media working with journalists. So I guess some of this sinks in through osmosis, but either way, um, I never pretend to be a journalist on this podcast. And But there was something about this story that, that didn't feel right. Now, look, I get maybe 20 or 25 scripts that I pull together, and I probably only have time for 13 or 15 in the finished podcast. And so I'm always discarding content because it's not important enough, or I think I'll do it later in the week, or I'll stick it in the reserve pile. But this one... I didn't talk about, and I thought, mm, I hope I'm not wrong on that because I'll have missed out telling you about it. Hey, it turns out a rare show of competence for me. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't happen very often. It turns out this story that everyone reported on earlier in the week that Tesla was going to make and had a trademark application for jets and boats. No, the whole thing is false. It was. The trademark was submitted by a Tesla superfan trying to help out Elon Musk. The filing with the US Patent and Trademark Office caused a stir, and I saw this reported in the UK's Telegraph newspaper. It was by, you know, proper publications with, you know, real journalists on their payroll. Well, it turns out that this trademark wasn't filed by Tesla at all. If you look at the signature on the filing, according to Fortune.com, I saw this reported by Bloomberg.com as well, the clarification that the filing was for motors for airplanes boats and toys it was filed uh toys uh it was filed on the 28th of december uh tesla was marked as the trademark owner but if you look at the signature it wasn't anybody from tesla it was a tesla superfan and uh, i won't give his name but it, i'll put a link to, to this story in the show notes if you'd like a chuckle uh speaking to bloomberg yesterday this tesla superfan said i was just trying to help <laughs> Brilliant. So no, Tesla are not getting into making engines for jets and boats, although they might do one day. Now, China has a big cost advantage in terms of small electric vehicles. Chinese automakers can build small EVs for about $10,000 less than any European competitor. An overwhelming advantage that'll put pressure on European manufacturers, according to the head of the auto supplier, Forvia. Uh, talking at the CES conference in Las Vegas, uh, his name is Patrick Kolla. He's the chief exec of uh, an auto supplier, and he said that the advantage that China has in terms of making vehicles is so great, especially importing them into Europe. It's more dangerous for European competitors than the US. He told Reuters in an interview, as high duties have limited the US market share for China, whereas China can import small, cheap EVs into Europe and do damage to the European car makers. 
Nissan is stepping up its EV drive in China. According to JustAuto.com, Nissan is announcing at the Guangzhou Auto Show in China, which is on right now. It plans to launch two pure EVs this year under its Venezia brand or Venezia brand as it steps up their strategy in China. Dongfeng Nissan is the local subsidiary there, announcing it's halting all research into combustion vehicles, and instead their new battery-powered models will be based on a Nissan dedicated EV platform. For China only, this one, though. Talking of Nissan, unfortunately, not great news. Nissan is experiencing challenging times in the United States. Their vehicle sales down 26% last year. Now that the final end-of-year numbers are out, the all-electric Nissan Leaf had a big drop in Q4 by 25%. And the new Aria that should take the crown, really, sold 201 units in the last three months of the year. Come on, Nissan. Start to uh, get serious, please, with the Aria. It's uh, a great vehicle. You're just not selling enough of them. Are they? What's the problem there with the Aria? Uh, maybe we'll talk about that a little bit more on a future podcast. Now, let's talk about Mercedes-Benz rolling out their own charging network. Mercedes-Benz announcing it will be building a network of its own, a bit like Tesla. They've chosen ChargePoint as their partner for North America, and it will be accessible no matter what EV you drive, says the endgadget.com website. 400 new charging hubs in the US and Canada, 2,500 DC fast chargers at those 400 hubs in key cities and urban areas, they say, according to the announcement yesterday. The hubs and DC fast chargers will be accessible by all EV drivers, the inverse of Tesla's proprietary network in the US and Canada. But since Mercedes is pulling the purse strings, there can be some benefits, maybe cheaper charging for Mercedes drivers. Uh, They also say automatic handshake authentication for Mercedes drivers. Autocar magazine in the UK pointed out that Mercedes-Benz at CES in Vegas also, as part of this announcement, announced their European charging network. This will have 350 kilowatt DC fast chargers. There'll be 30 of them per site, up to 30, sorry, up to 30 of them per site, starting this year in Europe. Each hub will have very, very fast chargers. But, according to the Autocar report on this, only Mercedes drivers can book and reserve a charging bay. So anyone can use it, but if you're a Mercedes-Benz driver, you'll be able to say, hey, I'm going to be there, I don't know, in 20 minutes. Nobody else can use it. I'm not sure how I feel about that. I guess if I was a Mercedes owner, I'd feel very good about that. I wonder what the, the reservation time is. Is there a penalty for not turning up to a reserved space? And what do you do if you turn up to charger, I don't know, one that you've reserved, and someone's in the space, they're trying to plug in, and you're like, oh, hey, I've reserved this. And the other person says, what? You can't reserve charges. I'm, I'm plugging in. I'm trying to use it. And is there going to be some confusion? I think there are some people with quite strong views about why charger reservations will work, why we should go down that road. So I don't know. I need to think a bit more about that. There's some pitfalls, definitely some benefits as well. Plans for Europe will be announced in coming months, but the CTO, Marcus Schaefer, didn't rule out the UK being one of the first countries to get one of these big new supercharging hubs. 350 kilowatt charging. Uh, I think this in the Europe is going to be provided by ABB uh, with their uh, their very fast chargers. All of the ones in Europe are going to be covered. We'll have food services and have surveillance cameras for 
lone sole drivers who are charging late at night for safety and security as well. Link to Autocar in the show notes if you'd like to read more. Coming up, we'll talk about why Norway had a massive December and how the UK did at the end of the year and for the whole year as well in terms of EV sales. Stick around, those stories are on the way. Now, we've got some more details of the uh, Sony-Honda partnership. Sony and Honda getting together for their joint venture. The brand, they've decided on a brand name, at least, and it's called Aphelia. So that's a bit weird. Uh, It's not necessarily the name of the first car, but I suppose the car could be called the Aphelia One. That's a little bit weird. Uh, A prototype showed off at CES in Vegas. A very handsome, low-key design, according to carandriver.com. Very much up against the Lucid Air or the Tesla Model S. 45 cameras and sensors inside and outside the vehicle. Very powerful onboard computer, they say, but no real details on battery size, power, you know, two-wheel drive or four-wheel drive. We don't know. Inside, it had a U-shaped yoke like Tesla have and... Ambient lighting, they say, a rotary controller in the centre armrests. So, a bit like in the Nero, Kia Nero, the rotary. I'm not a huge fan of the rotary. I've got one in the MG, the mighty, mighty MG ZS. That has a rotary controller. I don't really like it. But anyway, um, I'll pop a link to Car and Driver in the show notes if you'd like to see a picture of the Sony and Honda. Sorry, we've now got a name for that brand, Aphelia. It's a weird name, isn't it? It sounds a little bit like something you'd get in trouble for. Um, Let's move on. Sales in Norway had a barnstorming December, but why? Well, the Push EVs blog, which, by the way, one of the best EV websites on the internet, full stop. I just love this blog. uh, the, The guy behind it doesn't post very often, but when he does, it's always insightful. I mean... That's kind of the opposite of the internet these days, which is just a mass of noise and crud. Um, Whereas his blog is really good. The Push EVs blog uh, points out that Norway had a freakish December, but for very good reasons, because 2023, new taxes are applying to battery electric vehicles there. Now, Norway's interesting because 90% of new cars have plug sockets, 80-something percent have a pure EVs. Now, there's new taxes coming in this year, so uh, the weight tax comes in for every kilogram of weight above 500 kilograms. Even a lightweight EV faces an additional cost of maybe 1,400 euros, he points out, as of now. For a heavy EV, maybe 2,500 kilograms, you're looking at a big extra payment. Adding together the new weight tax, there's a new VAT tax as well. Now, VAT is 25% in Norway, and the VAT tax is everything over a threshold but most EVs, I think when actually half of the EVs on sale would hit the new VAT tax, take a Model Y performance. A Model Y performance is now going to cost another €1,800 Euros for weight penalties, another €2,350 Euros for VAT. That's €4,100 equivalent for now compared to you know last week. So that's why so many people were pushing through their EV sales in uh, or their purchases in last month in December. Ford had a really good end to the year. Ford have confirmed their EV sales doubled in 2022 compared to the previous year. Last year, Ford sold 61,000, 61,500 EVs, 126% up. You would think, though, with the e-transit and the Ford F-150 Lightning on sale, they should do, uh, 61,500 EVs for Ford last year. Oh, was that the US sales or North America? That'd be US sales, just so that we know. Now, constrained 
chip supply is something we don't talk about too much, but it did affect the year that we've just had, and it saw many car manufacturers prioritise vehicles with higher margins. And although people keep telling me that no one's making money from electric vehicles, that does mean that EVs were prioritised, because, yes, EV makers are making money from electric vehicles. Um, And this means that the UK had a fantastic end to the year. December saw pure bevs claim their largest ever monthly share. Get this, in the UK... I know the UK is only the second biggest car market in Europe behind Germany, uh, but still, right? So that's 33% December pure Bev market share. Not plug-in, pure electric. 33%. Wow! That's mega! Anyway, as a, as a whole, it was a, an amazing end to the year. But as a whole, 2022 were, were, saw us at 17% in the UK, surpassing diesel for the first time. That's a really, really big deal. Surpassing diesel for the first time, 17% pure BEVs. Add in plug-in hybrids, which was 6%. And 23% of all new registrations last year had a plug. So, uh, you know, well over a fifth, almost a quarter of all new passenger cars in the UK having a plug socket on. Private buyers accounted for more than half of registrations, fleets and business buyers responsible for the lion's share, though, of battery electric vehicles, 66% of BEV registrations uh, going to fleets and businesses. Last year, uh, we reclaimed the position as Europe's largest, second largest car market by volume behind Germany. Uh, but as of share, uh, we were still behind countries like Norway, Netherlands and Germany, but catching up fast. In France, Lidl, the supermarket chain Lidl, oh, I love a Lidl, love an oldie and Lidl. Uh, Lidl in France announcing the rollout of EV charging stations, the first ones opening at their supermarkets in Villefranche, uh, north of Lyon. Uh, they're also using the ABB superchargers, not superchargers, they're called Terra, I think, or Terra chargers, the ones that are 360 kilowatts, uh, the most powerful charging models pretty much you're going to find most places 13 spaces offered Um, doesn't have any chargers because those terra chargers can do four cars at once anyway uh, i'll pop a link to that story in the show notes the chevy silverado ev has been seen towing in more validation tests and that's a big deal now i forget again because you know of where i live i'm not in the u.s I need to always remind myself how big some of these brands are, like the Ford F-150. I kind of get that, but obviously the Chevy Silverado, I know it's a big deal, but I reported earlier this week on those sales numbers, half a million, over half a million sold last year of the Silverado. So when it goes electric, it's a really big deal. And with the production of the Silverado EV beginning in just a few months now, they're well within their validation stages. They showed off a video of the electric truck towing a, uh, a, a big trailer that's 7,700 pounds. That's 3,493 kilograms, just, just slightly under the max tow rating. In other trims, the max tow rating is 10,000 pounds or 4,500 kilograms. The fleet version can tow 20,000 pounds or 9,000 kilograms. That's coming later, though. They also shared images of their latest pre-production versions of the trucks in the engineering fleet. 87% of the reservations 
There's 170,000 reservations for the Silverado EV. 87% of them told uh, told GM that they would use the Silverado EV for towing at some point. So towing's a really, really big deal. And those tow tests are ongoing. That's great news. And that's your podcast for today. Thanks for listening. Question of the week, taking a wee break for a while, but it will return. And thanks to our premium partners. Couldn't do it without all of our supporters on Patreon. Uh, our premium partners, Phil Roberts of Electric Future, Brad Crosby, Porsche of the Village of Cincinnati, Audi of Cincinnati East, Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East, National Car Charging on the US mainland and Aloha Charge in Hawaii, Derek Riley. If you haven't checked it out, make sure you do his brilliant YouTube channel. It's EV Review Ireland. Also, thanks to Richard at rsev.co.uk for buying and selling EVs in the UK. Octopus Electric Universe, global public charging made simple with one map and one map. What did I just say? One app and one map. Uh, <laughs> Milbrookcottages.co.uk. Uh, five-star luxury cottages in Denver. And uh, lease plan electric moments, providing all the tools and guidance that EV drivers need. Have a good and see you tomorrow. And remember, there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid. <laughs>